Lydia, what is this? Hey, everybody, and welcome to Show and Tell. Thank you, of course, to JP and Liz, who ran Show and Tell for two weeks. We took a little break. We'll give you two weeks, and then we'll trade off with somebody else. It's me, Lady Ada, with me, Mr. Lady Ada. Uh, but enough yeah. about us. It's time to check in with people from around the maker community. What are you hacking, 3D printing, soldering, coding, um, cheese grating, whatever it may be. We want to hear They're from like, you. Uh, uh, let's check in with some Adafruit peeps yeah. and we'll go into other. We have a lot of members. Adafruit folks. We have a couple things if there's time, but we're going to get to everyone tonight. So let's start with Brent. Brent, what you got going on this week? Hi, I'm programming and I'm also doing some design. Um, I've been working on doing displays for Adafruit Whippersnappers. So like right now, if you have a board running this firmware, it doesn't show anything. And we have the Funhouse and the MagTag, which are really great boards, but like you want to see what you're displaying and you want to see like what's going on uh, during connecting to the internet, which like a lot of users seem to be getting stuck on and then what you're also sending to the internet. So I've been using um, LVGL, which is a lightweight graphics library. It's open source and it's really um, robust. There's charts, there's widgets, there's gauges, there's everything um, we need to build a really nice interface for Whippersnapper. So I'm going to show a little bit of my workflow and then a little bit of my progress. Um, so I've been using Figma, which like, uh, Tyler, who does the designs for Adafruit uses. And what's neat is you can bring over the, um, font awesome icons that LVGL uses and also the fonts that it uses. So you can create really, really easy mockups. And instead of doing like pixel perfect, um, like drawing it out on a notepad, which is what I've done before, like a grid line, like Moleskine. Um, you can actually bring resources in and start sketching things out. And it's been really neat. Like I can do revisions in it. And then um oh, do you want me to show your screen? Am I not sharing my screen? Oh no, I oh. got it. Oh, sorry. Yeah. That's so okay. you, you can do time. Yeah. So you can do revisions within this tool. And um it's been really useful. So then you can load everything from that tool, and then I'll show my screen again, uh, PT. Yeah. Onto a simulator. So this is like the screen mockup, but as a simulator running the same That's resolution good. scaled up on my Mac. So I don't have to do that compile, re-upload, compile, re-upload loop. Um, doesn't touch my device at all. So then when I'm finally ready to start working on the device, the code from the simulator and the code for the embedded hardware are exactly the same. So um, on my device, which I'll show this. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I have my Funhouse. It has the same That's interface so cool. as you saw. And then um, it actually loads from the file system. These icons light up. Um, so it's connected to the it's connecting to the Wi-Fi of my um, apartment, and it takes a while because it's an ESP32S2, and then it's up to connecting to I/O. So every step. The um, icons colors change from gray to green. It's like a Mac we have starting up with extensions. Like this is powerful. I remember like way back in the day doing PDA development on like Palms and Pocket PCs, and you get this like on-screen emulator, and then it one of the values of it was it would match your development. Yeah, when you're about to deploy on your devices, and it really sped things up. So this is cool that we're we're finally there. Yeah, starting to move towards like a very modern workflow for doing embedded graphics instead of just like blitting pixels on a screen. Yeah. Also, like having to compile over and over again and then wait and then look and then wait and look. And then upload. 
that's what normally yeah. by the time like bottleneck has been is just like the uploading even with circuit python yeah. it's still but doing everything on figma has been really useful for me that's cool okay yeah. where can folks find out more about this as you continue to do this uh we'll probably post it on io.adafruit.com slash blog Okay. And then I'll come by show and tell uh, once I get further within. Okay, cool. Progress. And then what I'll do is I'll add it to like Ask an Engineer or something too, so folks can uh, uh, check it out. Oh, we're also uh, two devices away from 2,000 whippersnapper devices. Wow. So if two people want to connect, uh, we would hit 2,000 today, which would be really cool. All right. You can do it out there. We'll start having like little YouTube trophies, you know, when you have subscribers and you get a thing. So we get it'll just be together. like an award popping up. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much, Ryan. Thanks, Brent. All right. <laughs> next up, Scott. Hey, Scott. How you doing? Oh, no. You're muted. I'm doing better and better. There you go. Uh, some folks may not know, but I, I'm, I'm at the end of having COVID, which has been fun. Um, so I went head sound last week and I'm finally kind of like booting back up. And the thing that I have on my desk is I have this giant bin. This is my this is my IMX bin. Um, and if you know me, you know that I have a thing for dev dev boards. Um, and the IMXRT has been on my radar a long, like three years or something now. Um, and so I've kind of got all of the EVKs, that's the dev kits that uh, NXP comes out with. I basically have them all. And I wanted to uh, get them supported in CircuitPython. Um, and this is the one that I, I just stopped working on. It's the 1176. Um, it's a monster. Uh, yeah. It runs Whoa. almost at a gigahertz. I guess, yeah, these boards are, are <coughs> large anyway. Here's a Scorpio for size. Um, and I, I got it half working, so don't get too excited about the 11 series working. Um, but one thing that's crossed my mind, and, and the 10 series has these two, or uh, these chips here are SD RAM chips. So not only is there a lot of RAM in the chip itself, uh, but there's a peripheral that can interface with these SD RAM chips. Um, and so I've kind of put that in the back of my brain as a, like, how would we use that in CircuitPython um, to have a lot of RAM, but not necessarily just use it for Python, uh, maybe allow you to, to manage it yourself. Um, instead, because the GC doesn't necessarily work great if it's a bunch of RAM. So playing around with that, I've got uh, the 1015 here as well, which is just like the slightly better version of the 1011. Um, the 1015 is interesting because it has a little more cache, so I'm curious to get that going. Um, but yeah, that's that's my work in progress is, is more of the IMXRT series. All right. Very cool. And... Uh... I think tonight we have a couple of fun things that we're going to show on the Python on hardware section in uh, on Ask an Engineer. Uh, another version, two versions came out. Yeah, Dan's been busy. Dan's, yeah. Dan's been handling all the version stuff, which has been great. Um, so there's a beta of 8.1, and then there's a, a new 8.05 that is a stable release that has, I don't even remember what the fix is, but um, Dan's been shepherding all that. And uh, we're kind of, hoping to pivot towards 9.0 after 8.1 is stabilized. Um, so that'll include IDF 5, which will hopefully bring in support for some of these newer ESP chips. Like I, I saw you listed the H2. I uh, signed up to get one of those. So I'm excited. Yeah. Like I said, I, I collect dev kits. So. Yeah. 
we have um, um, a similar collection and in all of Lamore's bins. It's like, yep. here's, uh, there, there is a, I have an IMX pile. Yeah. There was a period of time where, um, like every dev board company was like, we, we're, we're going to send you our Arduino killer. So Lamore has a bin of things called Arduino And I'd be killer. like, it is good <laughs> in my bin. Yeah. It's surprising <laughs> to me that all of these have Arduino pinouts on it. Yeah. Although the 1015 doesn't actually have it populated. Yeah. And then lately, um, some of the boards that folks are sending us, they're uh, Feather format. They're like, hey, like we've moved from that pinout to Feather yeah, format. Yeah, that'd be great. So, times are changing. All right. Yeah. I, I just would like on some of these EVKs that they would actually label things. Well, no, I mean, like, you have, to, well, you have to pay a cent for every silkscreen letter. So. Oh, the service. It's a, it's a subscription fee for that. They're, they're getting better, but not very quickly. Well, All right. Well, thanks so much, Scott. Oh, thanks, thanks, Scott. And glad you're feeling better. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. Next up, we're going to go to Jeff. Jeff, how are Hi you there? Doing? So it's another day with the IMXRT, and today I've got it hooked up to a nunchuck. And if you want to come back up here, oh, and, and a speaker. See the speaker. Yeah. So you bring me back big here. I'll show you how my improvised musical instrument works. You can control the volume and the tone of the note from oh. square to a sine wave. And you can select a bunch of different chords and add some other stuff. So what I've been working on is um, adding support for this multi-voice synthesis within CircuitPython. And it will do up to 12 notes at once. And it got merged in today. So it will be in an upcoming beta. And I know JP and Toddbot are looking at doing some stuff with it. And I'm really excited to see what they come up with. Because, I mean, I've invented a musical instrument, but it's not a very good one. Here's the good news but about synthesizers. Nobody using synthesizers is good at music. <laughs> You don't have to I mean, do. that's an interesting point, isn't it? <laughs> that's why you get into synths. Everyone uh, yeah, uses it. So Just tweak some knobs. That's what I got. It's like right. an advanced form of theremin or something. It's very cool. Right. It's kind right, of like that. I mean, I love the, the analog aspect of just yeah. changing the sound quality, uh, which is just like in Python, it's taking a linear mix of a sine wave as a ULAB array and a square wave, and you just add them together, and it varies how it sounds and i'm like well that was easy <laughs> so. uh, there you go now you're a synthesizer developer all right, all right. thanks so much Jeff. thanks Jeff. Bye, right. bye next up speaking of musical instruments jp, JP hey what you got so, going on well check this out look at this adorable game controller uh this is a fisher price game and learn i think they might call it uh it's a really nicely made game controller shaped toy uh, and I always ignored this thing when I saw it at Target um, because I assumed that this was like one button and this was one button that yeah. might make a noise or something. But Phil said, hey, check this out. Someone actually converted this into be a real game controller. Take a look and see what's involved. So in its normal state, it does uh, little good nose, light up nose, actually. Little light up nose, a little RGB LED in there. You can pick a couple of modes. Uh, that's a real button. It's a real annoying button. Yeah, we got one of these for our kid before we even saw the the hack that you're. They're cute play. and they're well made because they're designed to, to be played with by someone who's gonna yeah. you know whack stuff with it. Um, but the good news is that they, as you can see, it's separate buttons. They have a test pad, really generously uh, placed test pads for everything on there. And so this is based on uh, some tweets we saw from Robert Dale Smith, who converted an existing RP twenty forty 
gamepad library written in Pico SDK to our KB2040. Uh, if you stop by my show tomorrow, I'll open it up and we'll we'll look at the guts, but you can see some of some of the guts right there. Um, so mine right now is actually still wired to the microcontroller in there, which is grabbing its power off of the uh, KB2040. But you can see I've got this USB-C uh, yeah. cable there. I'm going to turn off the sound because that got annoying for me. And if you look at my screen back here, uh, maybe you can go big on just... Uh, go big. Go big. Um, here's a, here's a game of Mario playing in an emulator on a laptop over there. Uh, and I can actually control it and it controls really nicely. It's actually a completely, uh, serviceable D pad, which is usually the problem with these things. And I've got, uh, all I need is two working buttons on there in the start, yeah. button, which you can see if I press that big one there, it starts, uh, and, and pauses. Um, but meanwhile, it's still doing all that, all that jazz. So you can see the lights are lighting up. <laughs> That's really annoying. <laughs> so annoying. Circle, square, circle. <laughs> it makes Die. you want to jump into the uh, great beyond there after a while. <clears throat> uh, so I'm going to be uh, doing some stuff with that on the show tomorrow and maybe uh, taking a look at some other uh, of these game line toys that they put together. But they're really fun, really sturdy. Nice to nice to open them up and take a look and see how they put them together. Um, in Discord, uh, Phil B posted up a link. I was going to do this too. So we made a joy controller a million years ago. It's an Adafruit Feather. And the idea was um, it was like a Tamagotchi and it would tell you to stop playing video games for a little right. while. And you'd have to take care of this thing, maybe take it out on walks and everything. So that's in our in our um, learn system now. Yeah, the face reminded me of that actually. Yeah, because it like looks around and everything. It's kind of yeah. cute. Um, yeah. And I think this this people will be able to do even even more stuff because like the game yeah. controllers there was um, it was like the Sega Dreamcast you could plug in a little thing and you could raise a little yeah. creature inside of it or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. But yeah. I think yeah. we might see we'll, uh, see more. more yes, they like have the, the LCD on the controller. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much, JV. By the way, I'll, I'll show this off tomorrow. But you know that the the people who were developing this were uh, gamers because the Konami code works on this. I'll I'll show it tomorrow. Of course. So yeah. Right <laughs> you know, one thing, just a side note for everybody. So. Because we're now in the we're now in the kid toy market. Like we like buying kid toys for a kid. So they, you know, they have to have batteries, but they're very specific. It's like we're gonna put screws to make sure the batteries never mm -hmm. come out. But that just means a lot of these things are serviceable and repairable and hackable. And yep. so these are like really durable enclosures. Like this is a really good game controller. Like people might actually want to do more stuff with it. So. Absolutely. And this thing costs six dollars and sixty-eight cents on Amazon. Yeah. Like it's how could it like how's that possible yeah it's so well made. And no individual buttons yeah and you can get yeah. one of our little uh keyboard boards and play around with it yeah. and now you have a great controller and you can do all sorts of neat stuff so anyways these are fun projects yeah all right thanks jb all right, thanks jb next up we're gonna go to liz liz what you got going on hello uh i guess it's controller night uh, it is so controller night. thanks for I... you got the memo <laughs> yes uh so i just wrote up uh, my first circuit python library and it uses the uh, Joy-Con, um, sorry, it uses the Wii Classic uh, controller connected to the uh, breakout for the nunchuck adapter because all of these Wii accessories are actually on the same I2C address. Um, so basically I just added in support so that it recognizes oh, all the buttons and you can see it laid up red when um, yeah. they're that's and nice. then if I do the joysticks, um, it gives the XY. And uh, then on the official Wii Classic uh, ones, there's these are actually like analog inputs, so they're like pressure sensitive. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Too. And what's nice is there's these um, like 
SNES and NES controllers that have the same plug and they are pin compatible. So if I press a button with this controller, it will also recognize as the same code. So uh, this library is now in the CircuitPython bundle if folks want to try it out. Um, so you Very can cool. have these uh, recognized CircuitPython. Yeah, and like if anyone's using, if they're doing any type of where they need a controller for something, just use one of these, like yeah, it's ready to yeah. go. All right. Nice so work. And thank you for adding that library. Good work, awesome. Liz. Yeah. It was fun. I'm trying to up my coding. Uh, so yeah. it was a good challenge. It's all about the libraries. Yeah. Yeah. Someone said we, we hit another milestone for just CircuitPython. Um, we did, we hit, we hit our community bundle milestone, but a uh, thousand translated straight, a thousand translations or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Nice. 1000 translated translation strings. Yay. Yeah, because yeah. we have a lot of languages. Yeah, we have Klingon. Lots. Very important. OK. Pirate. Next up, Noe, what you got going on? <clears throat> hey, folks. Uh, yeah, so I got JP's hexagon keypad. Um, so this is a project that I collabed with JP. Uh, he did a really good job on making the PCB. It uses a QtPy RP2040 to make a MIDI device. And we're using um, chalk key switches. And uh, I wanted to 3D print uh, these keycaps that are in the shape of hexagons. And that's cool. We could print them ourselves. But I wanted to try out the, um, the clear resin um, prints from PCBWay. So I got these printed from PCBWay in that uh, UTR8100 resin. It's, it's really nice stuff. And uh, they, they, uh, they look really, really clear. Um, of course, you could 3D print them on your own printer. But it's really nice to have like a, a service kind of make these for you. Um, so yeah, I also did a little bit of filament changes on, on JP's case. So, um, that's where you change the filament out to get kind of multicolor prints. So I've been having a lot of fun with JP's, um, MIDI device. There we go. So, uh, JP put together the learn guide and I also helped out on, uh, on some of the, uh, the 3d printing aspect of it. Um, but yeah, you can build your own, you can get this. Uh, PCB manufactured from any number of the uh, PCB services. Yeah. I can't hear you guys. <laughs> oh, no. There you go. Yeah, sorry. There we go. Yeah, we, we, no, it's all right. We, I guess we, There's a little bit of silence there. I was scared. I was like, oh, no, is my internet gone? gone. Um, we were just in awe. Um, also, on your show today, uh, folks can watch this if they want to go to like YouTube or whatever. You think you showed this off on 3D That's right. Yeah, totally. All right. Thanks so much, Aaron. Yeah, for sure. All right. Next, uh, Pedro, what you got going on? Oh. Hey, I was just getting ready for my Easter Sunday get up. Thanks for the idea, Phil. <laughs> so we got a super cool little uh, Dirty Darko bunny hat here. But the cool thing about it is it's that. Uh, people are familiar with the TPU. This is 85A, so super flexible, nice and like soft. Um, the only thing I got to do is just poke holes in like the ears and the nose. But I about yeah. that. I should give some context. We um, we're dressing up our kid as a rabbit for Easter, and so I'm like, well, Frank the rabbit from Donnie Darko is a well-known Easter tradition. So that's cool. The TPU. Yeah, let me just show the detail again for people that are familiar with TPU 85A. That is the most flexible, the most elastic, super yeah. hard to print. I didn't think this was going to work. I was ready to email UPT be like, sorry, dude, it didn't work. But no, yeah. this is freaking. Cool. What, cool. what oh printer did you print it on? 
so you know how everybody's talking about all those new printers that came out. Oh my god, the cool new this, new that. Yeah. Dude, I'm using this on our old. You guys have this one, the Smart Pro. So, dude. Oh yeah. Old printer. It's a workhorse. It's a workhorse. It just prints. Like that's why I like it because I like when I print stuff, I never have to worry about it. Yeah, that's what they got. That's exactly what happened. I hit print, walked away. I'm like, you know, 20 hours later because yeah. it took like two days to print. I'm like, oh no, it's gonna be a mess. Oh, it looks freaking phenomenal! Holy crap! That's great. But that turned out good. Yeah. All right. Um, you got, you want to see going on? Yeah. So last week uh, we were uh, showing off the air quality case. It's a little compact case and. Uh, hugs and super uh you know shout outs to liz who did the ui for this this looks so cool um i think uh we were modeling after that ikea one that's come that's been out everybody's been hacking yeah. on it like we wanted to get one of course it's out of stock and just wanted to show like the real time of like how it's able to you know calculate the air quality um people will know the uh heat shrink stuff smells like so bad but look how fast it's able to you know tell you that the uh wow. air is pretty bad <laughs> And what's so cool about this case is the, um, it's all modular, so you can, all this stuff comes off, like the bezel and everything. See that um, Brent's still working on the display stuff, so until that, we have a little blank case here to put in there once, you know, that's all nice and working. So the one thing I did for the video was uh, make this little cool uh, 3D printed handheld little elastic thing, so you could wear this around, and I just took this around some of the parks to see uh, what is the air quality inside like Batu or whatever at Star Wars? And yeah, it was pretty good. It was like, you know, one or a two. What I should have done was taking it to where they have those little race cars where it's all gas and see <laughs> the, the number just jump up. It's probably where all the yeah. CO2. Are. I'm surprised and it is switch to electric yet. Right, dude. Yeah. So crazy. They're wasting all that gas on that. But yeah, nice wearable. And of course, you can swap this out. Originally was trying to say that it was like modeled after the uh, Lisa computer uh, kind of looks like it, but you have access to all your three buttons and then your restart thumb here. Yeah. And then you have your uh, CO2 sensor on the back here and a bunch of it's nice cool. little vents to keep everything nice and cool. And I think uh, during 3D Hangout, somebody was posting that they made uh, one. So hopefully they come on show and tell them to show it off as well. Right on. All right. Good stuff. Thank you so much. And thank you for uh, making this a very special Easter for us. Oh, no. Thank you for the idea. That's <laughs> super cool. <laughs> All right. Take care. All right. Next. Uh, Phil B., what you got going on? Hey, if you got people, I can come back next week. No. We're going to Okay. We're going to do, do all of it. Even if we go a little later, it's okay. Time doesn't exist. Really. That's cool. Okay. So, like, if I say, like, anime cyber deck, like, a picture comes to mind, right? It's like, it's going to have a handle on one side. Yeah. A weird offset. It's like I've got Dolly in my head. It's rendering yeah, right now. It's, yeah. and, and floppy disk has got to have a like super industrial logo with like a diagonal stripe on it, right? Yeah, and there's like a corgi with like a lens, and yeah. Ooh. This was an actual machine. It like it, I don't know which came first. Did did anime get it from this or did this? Oh wow, it's very anime esque. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, the Amstrad PPC five twelve and six forty from nineteen eighty seven. This was the weirdest form factor computer ever. Like, you know, there were there were the suitcase luggables and then the lunchbox and then, you know. Yeah, the this is like you have an X-Wing fighter and you need to bring a laptop with you. Okay, cool. This was like, this was like yeah. the platypus of portable computers. Nothing followed this form factor. It, it looks but, like something from like the Alien universe too. Like it's a yeah, little. Yeah, some Stromo. Yeah. Thing. But it was a portable computer. Weird. Um, you know, that you could, you could tote it around. Um, it, and it, it, 
this is the strangest thing. Um, it could be powered off 10 C D batteries. Yeah. D batteries. <laughs> C cells, yeah. Uh, you know, because like, um, you know, lead acid or whatever you'd had, it, it just, that was too sci-fi at the time. Yeah. Uh, so I had this option to run off C cells. I wouldn't call it a laptop because it's just too freaking huge. But um, anyway, I, just, I love the, the Cyberdeck uh, aesthetic of it. And these are not rare museum pieces. And another thing, also, the screens very often go bad on an old one. Yeah. And so if you want to, like, retrofit, like, a, a Raspberry Pi in it or something, yeah, you don't have to feel bad about it. Because, like I say, they're, they're not rare. They're not super valuable. You can find them on eBay. You know, if you find a beat-up one, it might be under 200 bucks. And you, you could stick a pie in there. Yeah. Whatever you like. But um, it's such a bizarre ass form factor, and totally looks like you know. The... Can I see the size? There's a floppy drive on the side there. Yeah, yes, of course. There's Dual. two. Okay. No, there's two. Of course. Come on. <clears throat> yeah. One for boot. One for apps. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. But uh, strange, strange, uh, strange item that just nobody ever revisited this form factor. Yeah, for, re for reasons. Yeah, I wonder why. Yeah. It looks like some type of like AT&T telephone transformer. Like you have to, mm -hmm. like this is how you repair a switchboard in 1986 or something like that. Yeah, I, I pulled it out a couple days ago for a friend. He thought I had a defib defibrillator. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, but even even the logo just screams anime. Yeah, yes, that's very, cool. Yeah. All right, good find. Thanks so much. Nice work. All right, next up. Matt, how you doing, Matt? Hey, what you Matt. got going on? Hey, can everybody hear me? Yeah. Hey, so I'm Matt from DC, and my recent project uh, I've been working on for too long. Uh, this is called a calendar ring, and it's not in its form factor; it's just still in the real. Basically, I wanted a like a uh, visual indicator of what, like, how far we are in the year, and so I wanted to put this 365 LED ring on the wall. That's and cool. there's a real-time clock and a rangefinder. And the first day of every month is highlighted. The solstices and equinoxes are highlighted in the purple. Uh, today is the green day right here, and it's pulsing. And then I have a rangefinder, so if I get close to it, it'll light up on the wall. Oh, um, and so, uh, yeah, it's been a really cool project. However, I've been trying to do use the dot star uh, array, the dot star data food stuff, and I'm having serious trouble with the dot stars and the serial outs on for debugging stuff and so um the dot stars have a tighter density of leds as opposed to the neopixels and so I'm, i was just basically hoping i I'll put my project in the chat if anyone has can show me what i'm doing wrong with the dot stars yeah uh, because i cannot get the dot stars to interact with the rest of my code uh and it's just causing all these ridiculous errors that i cannot figure out so yeah hang out in the chat there's there's someone who's who knows something That'll help you get in the right direction. This is neat. It's like a light up progress bar for the year. Very cool. Yep. All, All right. Well, thanks so much, Matt. And if you get everything working, come back. Yeah. Okay. You'll you. have a, you can you could set it on yeah, your until calendar. Until the end of the year. You could <laughs> you could put you could put it on your calendar. All right. Thanks, Matt. All right. Next up is Sai. Uh, how's it going? Hi. Um, so April is Citizen Science Month. Um, so I built a data logger that's the size of a key fob. That's cool. RP2040 microcontroller. Um, so like when you want to do data logging, you can just connect it to your phone. 
Um, it powers off of the uh, uh, the USB-C port of an Android device. And I have an air quality sensor here, but you can connect um, any sensor of your choice for data uh, logging. Uh, that's a good idea. Yeah, and um, the, my, I do plan to develop an Android app so that the data could be logged using an Android app. But for the time being, I also added a um, micro SD card slot um, so you can insert a micro SD card and log data locally and copy the data over. Um, That's cool. Yeah, I plan to um, develop and, uh, you know, design an enclosure so that I don't break this um, USB-C plug. Um, it's a little, uh, you know, touchy when it comes to like um, breaking this connector. Um, so I need to design an enclosure to support it and whatnot. This is a great idea. Um, if you if you get everything going where you want it to be by the end of the month, um, drop me a note and we'll make sure we we get the word out because this is one of the things that we've seen. Like there's a lot of air quality sensing that people are doing, depending on what natural disaster or who knows what's happening. People want to yeah. be able to do stuff, and this is like this is a neat way. Um, isn't there? There might be some apps that work with this already. So okay. you don't have to develop an app. I'm trying to think, like, maybe Nordic has something where you can get... I don't know if it logs, though. Nordic might. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, anyways, you might. there might be something out there that, that can... Well, you have an SD card now, but there might be something that could do the logging now because it's kind of a pain to develop apps. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. So I, I plan to at least get the serial port going by then. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you All so right, much. Thanks. And happy Citizen Science Month. Happy <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right. Next up, we're going to go to Paul, Guy, and then DJ Devin. Paul, what you got going on? I am happy to announce that after being on hi hiatus for a few months, the Circuit Python show will be back on Monday. Yay. Yay. So first up, I'll be interviewing Danny Staple, who just released a book called uh, Building Robotics with Raspberry Pi Pico. And he also used Circuit Python. So we have a great chat about that. Um. So for everyone who hasn't added it to their various ways of listening to podcasts or whatever, what's the best way for folks to subscribe? YouTube or Podcatcher? Uh, what are, what are they, your what favorite they Podcatcher. I'm on all the platforms, whether it's Spotify or I've got a YouTube channel too. So however you want to find it, you'll it's there. All right. We'll be listening. We'll and be I think, catching the pods. I think Anne put this in the latest newsletter as well um, that went out. But if, if it gets, I saw this, uh, hit mailbox. I'm a subscriber. Um, if it uh, didn't know, because um, I have to read the full newsletter, let us know. Let me know, we'll, we'll and I'll, um, we'll we'll add it and we'll have it on repeat on the newsletter. Sounds good. Thank you. Excellent. Thanks, Paul. Welcome back, guy. What's going on? Hello. Hey, y'all. Um, so I've been playing with Tiny USB a bunch uh, for another project that I'll show later. Um, but I'm a bit on a side quest. Uh, I, I want to get an HTTP server working over USB, which fortunately there's a, there's a lovely right. demo for that in the tiny USB. Uh, and I also wanted to make it work with CircuitPython. So I cheated. I used two chips. I have two kitty pies talking to each other. Um, but That's if you cool. show my screen. Yeah, let me add it. Um, I'm going to go to HTTP slash tiny.usb. And you can see I've got a little web page uh, served cool. up here. And I can change the color. Oh, and you can change um, it on the thing. Um, and the cool part about this is since it's just HTTP over USB, you know, Ethernet over USB, um, there's no configuration at all. I could give this to anybody. They plug it into USB, hit the URL, and um, 
and Google did something similar. You know, they had an R and D I S point when you plugged it in. I thought it was very cool and weird. It's 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 a really nice UX. I have a remarkable tablet does it too for loading files on, and it's so nice yeah. to not have to use like a cloud service without gadget. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's it's just I squared C serving uh, like reading files across it, and then I've just modified the Ampule web server library to do I squared C instead of socket three. This is so neat. It's like the first time you get a device, and you're like, you could type in one nine two dot one six eight dot one one, and you're like, look, it's like, oh, I have it, and then eventually yeah. you could put a word in uh, as a domain, and it's like, oh, this works, and now you could do this with a microcontroller. Very cool. Yeah. Thanks. Okay, if folks want to. Um, play with this, which I'm sure they're going to want to. Where, where, how, and when? Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to untangle my my implementation from the. Of course, I, I just committed everything to my own fork of the tiny USB <laughs> repo uh, in the examples folder. So I got to untangle all that yeah. stuff, and and I'll 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 make sure I post it. Um, I'll yeah, put, I'll put it remember, on the Discord and on Twitter. Yeah, drop me a note too. We'll put it in the newsletter. This is really cool. Oh, thanks. All right, thanks so much, guy. And we're going to wrap up with DJ Devin. What you got going on? Oh, there we go. Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, one second. I actually have notes this time. I didn't want to forget anything. Okay, this is an update from last week. Uh, this project uses two Adafruit Blue alphanumeric backpacks and Adafruit ESP32-S2 Feather, which is built into the enclosure, and a 350 milliamp battery just in case of power loss. Uh, and this is a new redesigned custom two-piece snap fit, thanks to Noah and Pedro for teaching me how to do that. Uh, there is a Python script running on the PC that goes out to Steam, downloads some CSV formatted files, parses them to JSON on the PC, copies the JSON file to the circuit Python device, and then that's basically what you're seeing. I've um, edited all of the text, though, to be like completely obfuscated now. So yeah, that's, wow, that's, that's, that's not real data <laughs> from from Steam, but it's yeah. an example. Um, so yeah, that that's that's working. Um, and I will show the insides now because I am quite proud of this 3D design. So it's got a little crossbar in there that's where you slide the uh, the alphanumeric underneath of it, and it kind of feels like a, you're loading a gun magazine when you slide it under there. And then you add the second one. This is all on Stemma. And then mounted on the crossbar is the ESP32 feather. And then this little oh, there's a tiny little uh, tiny little thing there for the battery, uh, which I forgot to do an infill stopper. So half of that is actually filled with infill that I cannot get out of there. Yeah, <laughs> but the battery, but the tiny little battery fits. So, yeah. All right. Thanks for really cool, nice peel. It. Oh, and the, uh, the window tent stuff makes mm -hmm. a nice, nice diffuser. Very All right. nice. And then uh, if folks want to try to follow this along <laughs> anyway, are you going to, again, have a uh, place for them to play around with this? Uh, for this, yeah. eventually, for the Steam uh, partner API, uh, yeah, I think so. That that'll probably be on the GitHub. Uh, the 3D file is on printables already. Um, as for the generic demo, because there's two different versions. One is a CSV version that actually parses it on the ESP32 itself, like uh. 64k 
kilobits of data parsed uh, through a CSV file. Then the other one is the Python that runs on the PC. Um, okay, wait, wait, we do we do have to get going. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, so yeah, I'm not, not sure. But, I, I want to make sure you can tell you're about to go into a whole thing. Yeah, post up no, um, my GitHub eventually. That's yeah, awesome. Great. Yeah, post up in the chat. This is really neat. All right, uh, thank, thank you. you. Have a great day. All righty, we got through everybody. That okay. was that was a big show. This is epic. Epic. We're gonna be here next week. We'll see everybody. Thanks for making this the best half an hour of the week. Every single week, whether we're hosting or if it's one of the different team members. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming in with some awesome projects. Ask an engineer starts in negative five minutes. As fast as I can press the buttons. Bye. Bye, buddy.